0: Welcome back to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. My name is Judy Cho, and I'm here with my friend and co-host, Laura Spath. And, you know, I really wanted to talk a little bit about critical thinking. I know that sounds like what? Uh, Recently, I had a educator on the Nutrition with Judy podcast where we talked about the importance of critical thinking and um, just the importance of asking why. As a child, uh, oftentimes we are taught to do certain things and then those habitudes, and actions, and even the way we think, um, it bleeds into our adulthood. And it's so important, even with a lot of what happened in the pandemic, and just following rules, and I guess even the police and just um, authority, we a lot of times don't question things, and we just follow suit. And in our conversation, Matt Boudreaux talks about how it's important to ask why. So in the example of our children, he says, Our children may say, well, we have to do it this way because my mom said so. And then the question will be, well, like, why does your mom think that? Or why do you think that? And it ends up coming down to a point of, well, why do you believe that? Do you think that's true? Or is it because your mom said so? And then recently, I um, have been re-listening to Jordan Peterson's 12 Rules of Life, and in one part, he talks about how we will find certain authority figures, but really, it's to just support our groupthink, and and I'll play it right now.
2: Then there is the conversation where one participant is trying to attain victory for his point of view. During such a conversation, which often tends towards the ideological, The speaker endeavors to, number one, denigrate or ridicule the viewpoint of anyone holding a contrary position, number two, use selective evidence while doing so, and, finally, number three, impress the listeners, many of whom are already occupying the same ideological space, with the validity of his assertions. The goal is to gain support for a comprehensive, unitary, oversimplified worldview. Thus, the purpose of the conversation is to make the case that not thinking is the correct tack. The person who is speaking in this manner believes that winning the argument makes him right. This is often, and unsurprisingly, the hierarchy within which he has achieved the most success, or the one with which he is most temperamentally aligned. Almost all discussions involving politics or economics unfold in this manner with each participant attempting to justify fixed, a priori positions instead of trying to learn something or to adopt a different frame, even for the novelty. It is for this reason that conservatives and liberals alike believe their positions to be self-evident, particularly as they become more extreme.
0: So when I listened to that, I, I really thought of, oh my gosh, that's like the entire wellness space on, <laughs> online, right? We, we find somebody... I know that's horrible, because we're both online. But so we we know that standard care does not work in a sense. So a lot of us have followed a diet that our standard care doctor provided us, and it didn't work. We we listened to their rules and regulations and dietary guidelines of how we should eat if we have diabetes or if we are unwell. And so we find that we are going to find some other person or some other diet that will fit us better. And so then we stumble upon a carnivore diet or the keto diet or whatever diet it is. And then we find out that there's a doctor in that space. And what I tend to see, because I am not a doctor, I'm not an MD, I see that people then give that same reverence within our space. And the person could be new, the person, and it doesn't even have to be an MD. It just has to be some type of person with maybe some letters behind their name. Or
1: not even letters behind their name, just a following of some kind.
0: True. I I agree. I think a lot of the the follower count affects, even though you can buy followers, um, the follower count absolutely affects people's perception of that person having that credibility. And what ends up happening is, I find it so ironic that we have decided that standard care doesn't work, and then we cannot trust the authority figures within that standard care realm. And then we move on to a keto diet or a carnivore diet. And then I see people then do the same thing. They blindly follow a lot of the leadership or a lot of the, the people that have a larger following. And in my mind, when I work with clientele that challenge a lot of the dogma, I really wonder. How are you guys following that? It makes no sense, right? If I'm using my hat of critical thinking and thinking why, it doesn't make sense other than, well, so-and-so said so. I think most people go into social
1: media content and what they're looking at on the internet, not with the mindedness to learn something, but either with the idea to be entertained, first of all, or second of all, they want to find their opinions reiterated back to them. It's one of the number one reasons why I don't talk politics on social media is because I have very strong opinions on that kind of stuff. And obviously we talk about it a little bit here more, but even just really not even at all, but I have very strong opinions on like <laughs> how I live my life. Uh, and I'm very comfortable opening, openly living my life like that. But the reason why I don't share it online is not even to hide from it or to be ashamed from it. It's because nobody wants to hear my opinions with an open mind to learn something. They want to hear their own opinions out coming out of my mouth. And we see that with, I mean, I think we saw that with the liver thing that you did, right? There was this common perception in the community that liver was a superfood and everybody needed the liver and everybody loved it. And like you said that, and everybody said it, it was included in every graphic everywhere. And the minute you came out and said like, maybe liver is not as good as we think it is, maybe actually it's harmful. And maybe that the reason why some people are sick is because they're eating too much liver, you had this huge backlash of people coming after you because you no longer represented their opinions. And it wasn't this like, whoa, wait a second. Judy's bringing new information. We should, let me dig into it more. Let me take a look at it. Let me have some analysis of it and see where she's getting that information. It was just this instant reaction of, that's not my opinion. I'm not gonna hear that opinion and I don't want it to know anything about it. And so um, it's, it's definitely... I think unfortunately one of the natures of the internet when if you're having that conversation with somebody in person, they are much more willing to be open-minded to hear you out. Nobody's going to just instantly smack you, you know, shut shut you down, they're not going to call you names, they're not going to tell you you're an idiot in person, but yet online we are so closed off to the possibility of hearing any new information whatsoever.
0: Yeah. And, and I think we absolutely saw that with the liver. And then I think we also saw that with um, with the pandemic. So I think there was a split in the carnivore community when the pandemic happened and whether it had to do with mass or the vaccine or a lot of the other regulations that were brought down. All of a sudden, the same people that loved me for nutrition, if I took a stand on if the children should get vaccinated, for example, I was now a fearmonger right. or I was a conspiracy theorist and it was wild because wait but you you trusted me with my nutritional content and even though I share all the research I did on the vaccines and 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 covid in general now I'm this crazy person and and so I think you're right there is a level of groupthink but what's interesting to me is when it comes to authority I think people especially if there's an MD behind that authority figure there is an extra level of belief. And the reason I think that is when the whole meat and fruit space came into the conversation, there was a little bit of pushback, I think, from some of the maybe older carnivores. But generally, I feel like it was more openly accepted, but that is technically new information, right? I kind of feel like it's, it was more openly accepted, accepted because most people are looking for an excuse to eat something sweet. Uh,
1: and you know, I think especially people who are like me and who are unhealthy and overweight, and we're just, we're missing out on that sweet element. So when the honey came into play or when any of the fruit stuff came into play now, obviously I don't think that's everybody, but I do think like, I would have been looking for that excuse then to say that it, it could be good for me or that I'd need it. Um, Versus just saying that you can't have it. That's the difference. I think you and I, this is maybe a side note, but like the difference with all of that is not saying you can have it. And there are certain people who could have it without issues. Like you can do certain things without problems, but then to turn around and say you need to do those things or it will be a detriment to your health is the the problem. And it's just, it is crazy how much things can change very quickly. When you have one or two authority figures that speak up, then really the entire community shifts very rapidly uh, into that mindset.
0: Yeah. And I think that's why this conversation of critical thinking and of asking why is so important. Having my children go to this Socratic thinking where everything is based on why, like, why do you think that? What is your opinion and drilling down to the core of why, my children believe in a certain thing, it makes me now focus, well, why do I believe that? Why do I think certain things about a diet or about even the way that we're living our lives or even about the pandemic? And then once you start drilling into those questions, you can't help but do your own research and then figure out what really makes sense for you. And I think the problem is that majority of Americans and people in our You know, busy society where we're on social media and we're doing things that are busy, 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 we are not doing that level of why. And I think in the fear in me is that we are being herded as sheep or animals to a place that one day we're going to wake up and go, oh, my gosh, how did I get here? And that, that really scares me of um, when we just listen to authority without ever wondering why. Well, think about it.
1: Think about being in a toxic relationship. Like, I don't I don't know about everybody else, but I you know, you find yourself in this relationship. I was dating a guy in college and, you know, you start to. Kind of go along with that relationship. You dive into that relationship. You believe everything that they're saying. Next thing you know, you're um, disconnecting yourself from friends, from family. You've isolated yourself. Like you're in the deep in this relationship uh, or in this community or whatever it is, so much so that you're not listening to outside opinions and feedback. And you really have lost yourself and any footing that you have in your own sense of who you are anymore. And then the next thing you know, you, that relationship is over or, you know, you come out of it good or bad. And you look around and you're like, I don't even know who I am anymore. I don't even know who my relationships are. You know, you see people who are vegan or even carnivores who they dive so deep into the ideology of these diets that all of a sudden, like something snaps them out of it and they look around and they say like these, you know, I didn't even realize how unhealthy I was, or I didn't even realize I've separated myself from all of my family and friends I think COVID, you know, the politics of that has really, really gone crazy, whether you're on the extreme left or the extreme right, both places, you know, people are like, wait a second, I've completely lost myself into this political ideology or this diet culture. And I don't even know um, who I am anymore. And I've isolated myself from a lot of people.
0: Yeah, I feel like I've lost a lot of friends through the pandemic. Um, you know, I obviously I share my content publicly. And so when I when the adult part of the vaccine came out, I just gave my stance of where I stood as a fa- my family, but I didn't make any very sweeping opinions, even though in the article, it's very clear where I stand. But with the children, I took a stand because I mean, my kids are absolutely affected by the vaccine. And I know that my friends, especially my friends back in Los Angeles, they've totally cut me off because I'm that crazy person that is sharing that the vaccine is probably not necessary for children. I mean, one of my friends shared their child getting the vaccine and the caption said, "We trust the science." And I tr- but I trust in my science that I right. did research on that showed that my children don't need to get it. And um, well, like, and it was hard though. Let me say this. Sorry, that's what Jordan Peterson said in that clip
1: that you shared is selective evidence. And I think you see that so right. much in the diet culture with COVID, with yes. the statistics, with everything is like you can find evidence and you can find data and statistics to show and to prove your point and whatever you want to prove. And you have to just look, even if somebody's like, well, oh, I'm sharing this study or I'm sharing this example and I'm sharing the science, like, my science, like you said, my science says this and your science says this and my diet says that animals are necessary for the planet and they're necessary for our human health. Well, then a vegan is going to share with me different studies that are saying that cows are killing the environment and cows are giving you cancer and you know all of these um, crazy things. And yet they're all quoting some sort of research study. And I think you're going to find whatever you want to support your own ideology.
0: It's crazy to me that they would throw away 30 years of friendship, like they no longer know me, because I made a stance on one thing in my life. And it's just, and I keep just talking about my friends. But the truth is, this is happening in everything in the American society, right? It's everything from um, politics to religion to everything of either you're black or white, either you're this or that. And there's no middle ground when most of us are middle ground, but I think they purposely and whether it's corporate press or social media, they're showing this polarizing views to separate us. But I wonder if we were to just say why, or why is this happening? Why am I being shown this, that maybe we would realize that we're actually very connected But there's, this
1: is the problem is that there are people out there that are explaining those things, but the masses are not consuming them because they're on TikTok and Instagram and all of these things. And you have like three seconds to capture their attention. And so how are you going to capture their attention? You're going to do it with a salacious soundbite. You're going to do it with, um, some kind of, you know, clickbait headline, They're not going to give you the ability to explain your nuance. And most people are just not going to do their own research in any capacity. They, again, they want to hear their own opinions reiterated to them in an entertaining way on the internet, which is also why I think most people in the health space are not actually bringing forth any new information. First of all, research takes a lot of time. You know this because you do it. Mm-hmm. Research takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of money and resources, and you can't be creating content when you're doing research. Sometimes you go down a rabbit hole. Like, It's not profitable to do research and bring new information to the market. It's the time and resources it takes to come up with that, you're missing out on creating new content that you could be making money on or helping clients or whatever it is. Well, then you come up with this new concept, this new theory, this new study that you want to share. And then you have to convince people to pay attention to it. You know, you have to convince people to believe in it, to take a look at it. There's just so much work that happens from your perspective as somebody who's trying to bring new information forward when you know it's a lot more profitable and a lot easier and going to gain you a lot more uh, popularity is just to say things that people already believe so that we all can stand around and clap at it. I mean, you know, there's people online whose entire, um, you know, persona is just copying other people's ideas. And then also just like saying things, that everybody already believes, but doing it in like a, you know, a loud way on social media. So then everybody just goes, yes! And they share it. Like, how many times do people see a reel and then share it in their stories and just go, this! And like, that's the extent of like, all the only research that we're doing is just by reposting stuff and going, this!
0: There was something on um, a podcast I listened to recently and that talked along the lines of that. So social media was essentially initially created to have back and forth dialogue. And so there was a common space where people can have that level of dialogue where you can share your opinion of whatever was shared. And then once I guess that like button came out, um, it changed so much where people stopped communicating and it was the more, I guess, outlandish your opinion was in the comment section or the crazier your comment or witty that you would get more likes. And then it became a popularity contest of sharing what you liked or you disliked. And so now we almost communicate, like you said, with just the word this, or we share a like or a clap, or we say for the people in the back, right? We say <laughs> all these things and we're not really having conversations or conversations to say, well, what if it's also this? Right. I listened to that same podcast. I know what you are talking talk about. <laughs> and, um,
1: it was about, also they said that it was one thing to like the post, but when they came up with the like button in the comment section, that's when right. like you have one sentence to like attack somebody or say something vicious or say something hilarious or burn them in the meanest possible way. So then your comment garners the most attention. And so it's really not even about the creator anymore, but then it's about coming back at them in the, craziest way. And I see that on all of my like ordering videos, the way that people like rally together in the comment section to attack or to make fun of my nose or to like talk about what a Karen I am or like whatever it is, you know, somebody, whoever's going to insult me in the funniest, meanest, harshest way is then going to garner all of the, you know, army in the comment section to then they're going to feel powerful in a sense. And they've created nothing, they have done right. no work all they have done is insult somebody and yet th- now they're feeling validated and they're getting hundreds and thousands of people to like them and to they're they're feeling great sitting in their house or whatever just by saying something mean and terrible to somebody else on the
0: internet and it just makes me think like where do we go from here right so if we I get a lot of crap for sharing stuff that's not fully carnivore on the Nutrition with Judy channel. And I do it intentionally because when I first started our private practice, it was very quick to realize that carnivore is not going to fix everything. Eating a meat only diet will do tremendous healing, you will reduce a lot of inflammation. But from there, for for some people, it's not the final piece they need in their healing journey. And so when I realized that I couldn't ethically just share people that are only carnivore because I knew deep down that it would never resolve for some people the final missing piece to have them fully heal and so I decided I need to also share about food addiction I need to also share about eating disorders I need to share about faith I need to share about even the way that we care for our animals or that how grass finish doesn't always matter and there's really a gamut of everything. And you know, I just interviewed Brian or Brian Lenskis is coming out soon. And I talked about you in it, but he's not even carnivore, right? But we talk about tools of how he gets people to stay motivated, even if it's not picture perfect, even if they're admitting they're eating a donut, but it's figuring out, well, how can we help you to occasionally eat a donut, but not really be eating it long term. And a lot of people don't like that they think then information is confusing for people that are trying to be strict carnivore. But if you were to think a little bit further it's what what messaging within this conversation can i take home for me that will work to help me further heal and that is the hope of it but my concern with a lot of this i don't think i don't ask why i just follow the same silos or the the same thinking that everyone else has in my community how are we going to ever grow and f- really have true science and really further and have these questions. Like, what if I never brought up the concern of liver? To this day, right. people would be eating so much liver. Like, who would have really brought up vitamin A? E? That was willing to take all the daggers that I had done and not to say that no one would have, but they wouldn't have because I mean, the people that are pushing it the
1: strongest all have, um, liver supplement sales and companies that's where they're selling those things and it would have been dep- detrimental to their business. So maybe at some point, if it got to be well-known enough or uh, a problem of, they would have stuck a fine print warning label on there, like, do not over consume. But other than that, it never would have been mentioned. Yeah. I think the challenge though, is that it's not up to you as a creator, or it's not up to, you know, we want to put that responsibility on the leaders in the community, but it's not up to them to be the ones who are doing more research. I think this is where as a consumer, I have to have this discerning. I I have to look at things more clearly. I need to have a reality check with myself and say, you know, am I looking at things with an, with an open-minded lens, am I, you know, just trusting what I'm being told because I like this person, you know, and I followed them for a long time. Like, am I truly looking at, this is a crazy idea. They've had a massive change. You know, when you came out with the liver thing, thank God I didn't like liver. So I'm not going to lie. I did no research and I looked into none of it because I didn't eat liver anyway. And you were validating that for me. So that's, that's an example of where I fell into it. But if like I'm following how I'm eating by watching somebody or I'm, I'm, you know, taking all of my cues from them. I do think it's important that as a consumer of that content that I'm digging in and saying like, why is there this big change? Why are they doing this way? What's happening? Like what's the root cause behind it? That's making this happen or that they're saying this, or what are the studies that are showing this? I think we just sometimes take anecdotal evidence or just saying like, this is what works for me. And then we assume that that's going to work for everybody.
0: Yeah, it's that dangling carrot or the dangling whatever that will get people to be motivated and moved. And that's why those, you know, lose weight in 21 days, all those 21 day challenges work because it seems like it's not forever and it's, well, I can do 21 days of whatever it may be. And But the reality is that in 21 days, you're not going to change a lot of that metabolic syndrome that you may have been struggling with for decades, right? But it's an easy sale. But if you're
1: also dropping that much weight that quickly, and I I keep saying this all the time, but I could promise you like lose 20 pounds in 10 days. I'll tell you some way to lose 20 pounds in 10 days easy. (laughs) But is it healthy? First of all, is it sustainable? And are you actually going to keep it off? And is your health going to be in a better place by doing that? I've done that so many times, but then I gain it all back again because it was unhealthy.
0: Yeah, I think with the diet space, it can be easier to discern whether something is true or not because with the, like, let's say with the vaccines, it's really hard unless your family actually gets sick to know if, okay, the the science I followed that said it was safe was not safe for my family. But if that doesn't happen to everyone or the health ramifications come down later as maybe an autoimmune and you never correlate it at, with the vaccine. But with food, let's say somebody's saying, you have to eat veggies and veggies will make you feel better. So as a carnivore, I say, okay, I really trust this person. This person is telling me that I now need to eat root vegetables. And so I started eating it. And after a month of introducing that root vegetable, I don't feel well. So then that will be my sort of biofeedback of saying, hmm, I don't know if that response was right, because for me, I clearly don't feel well. In that aspect, trusting my own body will be my gauge of if that, person is actually sharing good information. But the flip side is, as humans, we also sometimes like to blame others. So let's say I really don't like the carnivore diet that much. It's it's very taxing and that it's so restrictive. And then somebody tells me to eat vegetables. And um, now I have the green light to just get off my diet, right? So now I have an excuse to not to eat this way. Does that make sense? I feel that sometimes we will use new science or new recommendations as an excuse to get basically get off a diet that may be beneficial for us.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think we look for those people. You know, when you know there was the movement a couple of years ago when everybody switched over, we've mentioned ray Pete, but if people aren't familiar, ray Pete is a type of diet where they're eating, I mean, you know better than I do, but they eat it like they drink a bunch of orange juice, they eat this raw carrot salad uh, and some different fruits, and basically that along with meat, and it's supposed to be really good for your gut and it's supposed to be really good for your hormones. And we saw this huge group of people that kind of transitioned over to that in the first place like several years ago on a carnivore diet and all of a sudden like all these people were leaving carnivore and like drinking a bunch of orange juice and having this raw carrot salad and stuff and there wasn't any questioning of why wasn't the carnivore diet working for them the answer that they were all sharing was the carnivore diet didn't work for me and i needed orange juice and raw carrots to heal my hormone issues When if you really dig further, a lot of them were under eating, a lot of them were over exercising, a lot of them were being much too, um, I don't know, like rigid on the types of meat that they were eating. They weren't getting a variety of meats because they were scared of the poofas and the chicken and the pork. And it's just like, there was a lot of ways. And like you say, it's not to say that a carnivore diet is going to fix everything for everybody, but there is an element of like, why did they make this change and the switch. And I think the answer is like, what was going on in their health that caused those things? And there was just not a lot of people that were kind of looking back, taking a step back from what they were saying and saying, why are they making this complete flip flop? What's going on in their health that's causing those things? And like, what are they trying to address? They all just heard like the carnivore diet's not working. You need orange juice.
0: And that's where I think about, well, why would we use orange juice? And I get that orange juice, especially if you make your own, there's a little bit of vitamin C, but it's like what um, Dr. Lustig told me is orange juice, the vitamin C in it does not make the amount of sugar better. So it's, right. it's, it, they're different. And, and for gram to gram, there is more sugar in orange juice than there is in soda. And, and that level of vitamin C is not as, more beneficial than drinking soda, for example, right? What I found interesting is also then I thought about the carrots, like, why do they like carrots so much? And I mean, I did some research on the carrots. But I think recently, what I've stumbled upon is that there is a ability for carrots to bind to some biotoxins. There's a research paper that shows I think it's carrots, okra, and uh, some other vegetables, and I'll put it in the show notes. But it has a very similar effect as the the binders that they use for the um, shoemaker mold illness protocol. They do not have as much of the binders and it's not as potent, but uh, for people that are really, really unwell that are trying to use the binders for the SIRS protocol, they may start with the okra binder, but there's a similar binder in carrots. And so I wonder if people that were starting carnivore because they were desperate for healing, then tried carnivore, realized it wasn't sufficient because maybe they were under eating, maybe they weren't eating enough fat, maybe they were eating too much liver, whatever may have happened to their liver where they weren't feeling well, they were having thyroid imbalances. But what if they were also suffering from like a biotoxin illness or SIRS illness? And so then they go to repeat, the repeat diet recommends that you get balance with the circadian rhythm and you hit the light in your eyes. And- that also is depleted when you have a biotoxin illness. So what if these people are, they do feel better with carrots because it's binding some of their uh, toxins in their body. And that focus of the sun is giving them some of that MSH hormone that I talked about in a previous podcast, where that is a core hormone that gets depleted when you're suffering from SIRS. But do you see how, if you don't do your own research and I know it's really hard to do your own research, but if you just follow, maybe you'll never get to root cause. And that's like the core of it for me is why. Like, why do you believe that? I get it. Our society, we're so busy. We're so, um, we're inundated with so much information, but I sometimes think we should really wonder why. Like, does that make logical sense? And I really, really appreciate how my husband, I'll share something. Like, I shared that podcast that you and I are talking about. He, he heard it and he said, Oh, I don't know if it's as, if society is as, negative as they kind of portray that it's leaning towards. And he just always gives me this ability to think about why, like another, I guess, second thought of, you know, the way I'm thinking and challenging my thinking. And I just feel that we would be so much better off as a society if we could just stop being in these groups where we have groupthink, And I mean, that's how, that's how Hitler came into power. It's, I mean, seriously, it's, it's, I mean, if you look at um, Hitler's background, it's not like he was uneducated. He was very polished. He shared this ideology where other people really believed it. And that's how he came into power. These people that share, it's like, and a little at a time, they chip away at certain rules or guardrails that are in place. And then eventually they could do like these massacres that he did.
1: Well, that's what, that's what we've seen over the last couple of years and why I think things escalated so much and like why you mentioned your friends don't even want to talk to you anymore because it was a life and death scenario. For a lot of those people, it was viewed as life and death. And you were, you know, you were actively trying to kill people because of the decisions that you made about your own health is the way that they saw it. And because of the way that it was messaged, uh, it ends up being so extreme. But I do agree. That's why it's so important for people to have another voice. And I this sounds contradictory to what we said a couple of weeks ago when we talked about how there needs to be one agreed upon definition of a carnivore diet. <laughs> so like, yeah, we contradict ourselves. You know why? Because there's nuance in everything that we're talking about. And that's the point, right? The point is, yeah, what a carnivore diet should be defined in a specific way. But then we also need people um, to question that. And like you have Kevin, I have Chris who like, I told Chris a minute ago, like, this is what was, let me read this to you and tell me what you think. And he's like, you're crazy. That's not what it means at all. You're looking you're your reading into it what you want to get out of it. And you need somebody to kind of take a step back and say, um, why are you doing something completely different than what you were doing six months ago without giving any explanation to it whatsoever? And I think, you know, we had a podcast episode where we talked about whose responsibility is it on, on how they live? Like, is it the influencer's responsibility or the consumer's responsibility to... Um, on, on like how you live. And it's a, it's a cop-out to say both, but it's like, as a person who shares on the internet, it, I do have a responsibility to be transparent. I don't need to like tell you every time I get like a weird cramp or I get like a, you know, itchy back for some random reason, but I do have a responsibility to say, if all of a sudden I have some crazy blood work or if something is going wrong with my health because of how I've chosen to share, I have a responsibility to be transparent about it. Even if I don't have the answer, There is nothing that drives me more insane in this community or in any type of diet world and and health space like this. When somebody goes, surprise, I've been having this major health issue and don't worry, I changed this one thing and now everything's fixed again. And it happens time and time and time again. We're like, surprise, I'm doing something radically different because I had a major issue that I totally didn't tell you about, but don't worry, now it's fixed and now I'm going to tell you. I get the balance of like, I don't need to tell you every step of the way. And then that's not my responsibility, but it is your responsibility to like, stop sharing. This is what works for me. If you're having issues behind the scenes. And then it's also the responsibility of the people who are viewing that content to like, take a step back and say, why do I keep believing this person? Why do I keep believing this method? Or why do I keep believing this without digging into it further you know, if you can't stick to the diet at some point, there's a balance of like your own personal responsibility. And then there's also the balance of like, maybe you're getting bad
0: advice. I I agree. So when I shared about the liver, there was a handful of people that would then start emailing me saying, how much should I eat? So what, what do you think in my life that I should be eating? Or do you think I should have it X amount of times? And it's based on a lot of the research I share, even with my uric acid decision tree. I mean, literally there are different ways if your uric acid is high, it can be a bad thing or a good thing on a carnivore diet. But you really have to do the deduction on your own to figure out, is my uric acid that is above six an issue? And for some people it is, and for some people it isn't. And even still, when I share that commentary, people will go, my uric acid is blah, blah, blah. Should I be worried? And it's like, did you not hear what I just right. said? And and I get it. People want simplicity, but- we will never have your answers as a content creator without knowing your history, but I agree. I, I'm fully on the same page with you. Um, it's like how I said in the previous episode, I don't say that I'm meat only carnivore anymore because I'm not, And but I intentionally don't share my meals where let's say there's a vegetable because I do not want somebody that has never heard me say that, but then see an image of what I'm sharing and then think, oh, carnivore includes vegetables because it doesn't. And, and that's where I think if you are sharing your journey and saying, this is what worked for me, so therefore my 100,000 followers, you should also try it my way because look at how much weight I've lost, look at how much I've healed, and you could do the same thing for you. But if then if something's not working, I think we should have ownership to be honest with that it's not yeah. working and maybe something else was needs to be fixed. And I honestly understand why they don't share because maybe it's that if I do share, I lose credibility, I lose authority, but but we're human. And I and I feel that when we are genuine, and we share all our vulnerabilities, and I think people embrace us more. And, and when I shared how much I was hurt more than when I shared the liver. So the liver, absolutely, I got people that hated on me. But when I shared later that I was really hurt by the people that said those things, I received a lot of support from the community because they felt the emotion from me. Yeah, I I agree. I think if you're sharing content and, but to say that everything I've shared up to now hasn't been working, so here's my new thing and here's how I'm now losing weight or here's how now I'm supporting my thyroid. We have to wonder why are they flip-flopping so much, right? Why, Why is... Fauci saying one thing one day and then something else another day, right? I mean, literally there was a, I mean, I think it was in but that But they same know podcast. if you ask
1: him in those interviews, they're like, I never said that. I never said we should lock down. And then they're like,
0: literally, here's a
1: clip of you saying we should lock down. <laughs> like, it's that's it. Own it. Just say that. Do you know how many people would respect Whatever, Whoever the authorities are on COVID right now, if they just came out and said, you know what? I know I said this in the past and I was wrong and we have learned new information. Rather than saying the science has changed, we are saying, you know what? We have updated new information and we are changing our stance on this. We didn't know we we did the best that we could at the time and now we have new information and we are evolving we are constantly evolving in any space in the health space and in this covid space and all of these things but now there's this literal brainwashing where like you're trying to they're trying to erase the things that they said in the past the thing like first you weren't supposed to wear a mask then you were and now it's like they don't work anymore and now it's like just say we are learning as we go and we are updating right. the information as we have it don't try to, you know, erase what it was before. It's okay to learn and evolve.
0: It's so crazy as you brought that up. So a couple of weeks ago in my newsletter, I shared how on the CDC website, there were certain things about the what the non-vaccinated people, how they were, like certain mandates about them. I try to go back to that the Wayback Machine or I forgot what the website's called. And then if you use it on your phone, it still works. So you can still go back to that time period on the CDC. If you go on your website on your computer, it says the website's broken. So they are actively trying to remove old information on the CDC website or on certain studies that they don't want you to see. The American frontline doctors that I always recommend, I still get messages to this day from people of. I just got COVID. What are some natural supplements I can take while I'm, you know, like the zinc, the vitamin C, what all of those things that link to the American frontline doctors doesn't work half the time now it's broken. So I don't know if it's intentional, but it is crazy people. So now I have to give a screenshot of it because This is the stuff that's crazy, right? And just like how they were so against ivermectin, but now on the CDC website, ivermectin can be used as a support for COVID, yet it's never been shared anywhere. It is the same group of people, the FDA that said, ivermectin is for horses
1: well even just like if you look at the american diabetes association all of a sudden now they're saying like maybe um you know low carb diets can be useful for diabetes and like they've changed their messaging a little bit saying like i think it's still like 100 grams of carb a day is what they consider low carb but you know they've changed their stance a little bit, but it's not to say like, Hey, we've learned, we've updated, let's reeducate people. Let's, let's mention that we've evolved. It's just like changing it and pretending like that's the way that it always was. And we were never advocating for high sugar in the first place for diabetic patients.
0: It's crazy. And, um, I, I heard their, their recommendations though. If you listen, look at the fine print, it says to only do that kind of diet for a short period of time, as if diabetes will go away after right. you do a short period of time.
1: It's insane. Let me say this though, too. And, and here's how to combat this, in my opinion, because you're right. Like you don't have time to, to do all this research necessarily. And it's like, you, I don't, I'm not going to do the same level of research that you're going to do personally. If it right. comes down to like new information, you're going to do that research. But what I am personally looking for is I am, I am still continuing to listen to a variety of voices. I don't put all of my trust in one person. You shouldn't be listening to everything Judy and I say and believing right. and going along with everything we say. First of all, Judy and I are, way different in what we need and our views and our context. And we try to talk about that, you know, how, just look at fasting. Like Judy and I have entirely different approaches and everything that we do on that. So I truly believe in, in consuming from a lot of different people. And then also just like looking for cues of consistency and just discernment. And, you know, whether that's in political or your real life or on social media or whatever it is, just like not putting everything that you have into what one person is saying and just trying to take a step back and say, what's the big picture here? And are there other missing pieces that I'm not getting? Um, Or even just looking for like, are there different points of view when Chris and I, I, you know, like I say saved our lives, right? Like we came to this way of eating. It wasn't because I heard Sean Baker and I learned about the carnivore diet and I did everything he said we should do. I heard about the carnivore diet from Sean Baker and then I went what else can I learn and we listened to Ted Naiman who's not carnivore at all and he does like super low protein and then we learned about Dave Feldman who's also not strict carnivore and then we learned about like Dr. Jason Fung who advocates for fasting and like we started listening to all these different people right. and we started taking small pieces of what each one of them said And it somehow turned into like what works for me. And that doesn't mean that what I've figured out by taking stuff from everybody else is going to work for you. And you shouldn't be trying to implement everything that I do exactly into making it work for you because there's just too many variables that are that way. But do that. Take a little bit of what I say. Take a little bit of what Judy says and then other people that share and also people outside of the carnivore space. There's a lot that can be learned from people that are, or even just understood about how your body works or how, you know, Look at people who are anti-carnivore and really dig into it and say, why are they that way? And then
0: go back and reevaluate what you're doing. Just playing devil's advocate with that thought. Um, I know sometimes if we then start going down, I mean, when I was doing my research for Ray P, I, I I did think, wow, they have some solid cases or they're very convincing to drink orange juice or <laughs> to eat the raw carrot for every single meal. So I get as a person that doesn't do a lot of research, it becomes super confusing but also trust your body, right? This is where it comes down to be honest with yourself. Can you handle the orange juice? Can you handle a piece of fruit at every meal? And will it not trigger some of the sugar yeasty beasties that make you crave sugar? And maybe then it's okay, right? Um, That always makes me laugh when you say that. (laughs) Because it makes so much sense. I'm
1: sorry. I like used to have constant yeast infections like years ago and I just never, and so every time you say that, it's just like makes me laugh so hard.
0: No. And if you want to eat carrots and you feel better, you know, maybe it is the carrots or maybe, and I I understand they say that it helps pull excess estrogen, but what if the hormonal imbalance and also the, the carrots pulling anything out of your system, what if that's more related to a biotoxin, which biotoxins mess up your hormones and thyroid? So, I think when it comes to the diet, at least we have a gauge within ourselves of be honest with yourself. You can try something different other than carnivore. You can add some plants, but be honest. Am I adding it because carnivore is not fully working? Am I wanting to add it back just because I'm craving sugar? And then when you try it, if it doesn't work after a month where you noticeably feel more joint pain or you have more fatigue or you're just not feeling well, then maybe it's not the right answer. And that's okay. There is no right answer for every single person. We are so different. But what I just highly ask of all of us, yes, listen to advice from people, but then use your discernment. Ask the question why, and does it make sense for you and your family? Does it make sense in general? And then with the diet, does it make sense for you? Or if this advocate is saying, do X one day and then months later say, do Y does that make sense for you? And is that confusing? And then the question is, why are they even flip-flopping? And with everything, it's just at the end of the day, you are your own best advocate and no one will care as much for your health and your well being and your livelihood than you. And so I, I highly recommend that you take the driver's seat in all of that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's your responsibility at the end of the day to know what you're consuming, what you're putting in your mouth and how it's affecting your health you know, I, there's a lot of things that are advocated for that might work for a lot of people and they're just not going to work for me because it's not going to be something that I could stick to. And if you're constantly falling off the wagon because you're worried about being a hundred percent strict and you can't eat in a restaurant and you can't have the, a little bit of ranch or you can't have some avocado that you love, like whatever that is, like, is it, you know, causing you to fall off the wagon because it's just not a sustainable lifestyle for you? Or is it the opposite where like, you're trying to consume and eat certain berries and things because people tell you that you have to, and that's causing you to like binge and fall off the wagon. Like there has to be this understanding of, and the personal responsibility to say like, what's working for me and what is it that I can handle?
0: Yes. Yeah. Think about it. Thanks for tuning in to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to share and leave us a review and leave any comments and questions on Apple Podcasts. We will read and answer your questions and comments on an upcoming podcast episode. This also helps us to share our real talk with more community members. You can also find me on my other podcast, Nutrition with Judy, on all podcast channels. You can also follow my content on Nutrition with Judy's Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. You can find Carnivore Cure in paperback, ebook, and audio on Amazon. I also have a blog post and weekly newsletter with nutrition and wellness updates. You can sign up at nutritionwithjudy.com. You can find Laura on Instagram at Laura Eastbath. You can follow along on her daily stories and see some of her funny skits. You can also find Laura on her YouTube channel where she shares tips on living a meat-based lifestyle. If you're wondering how much meat to eat in a day... Week or month, Laura has you covered. She also shares how to make a perfect sear on a steak and how extended fasting looks like in real life. You can find her YouTube channel by searching Laura's Bath. Thanks again for listening to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. And remember, make sure to cut against the grain.